Welcome to Harvest Valley Worship Center's Sermon of the Week. You can discover more about our church, pastors, and special guests at hvwc.com. We hope that you are blessed by today's message. Awesome. How's everybody doing? Blessed. Blessed, highly favored. There's a, there's a video from... Uh, I don't remember the guy's name at this point, but he does the pre-blessed food. Anybody ever seen the pre-blessed food video? Where he's like, we've got a new service for you. We're going to pre-bless your food so that like at the factory, as it comes out, we're going to bless it for you so you no longer have to pray over your meal, you know, type of thing. And at one point, it's like, it's like and now introducing double pre-blessed, right? Like it's double pre-blessed food. It's hilarious. Yep, yep, gotta love it. Um, I have no idea what the Lord is going to do today. And usually when I have no clue what's about to happen, it's pretty good. So I'm expecting God to say some things through me that I'm not sure what's going to happen. I've, got, I've had a lot of ideas of what I think God might want to do, but I've just set everything aside and said, Lord, I, I think you have something for us today. Um, so if you have your Bibles, open to Acts chapter 19. Acts chapter 19. The Lord has taken me through a process of removing the fear of man. And, and that actually was an exchange. Removing the fear of man was an exchange between me and God. He said, if I, I'm going to give you the fear of me, and in, in its place, I'll remove the fear of man. If you fear me, you won't fear man. If you see me properly, you're going to see yourself properly, and you'll see the world properly. Like, we can't see everything that's happening around us properly. We can't see properly until we know who he is. We cannot expect the world to be awake to the things of God when they don't know God. If you haven't encountered the goodness of God, how are, you going, how are they going to know truth from error? They're not. So as believers, we have to stop putting to the world that they have to, should live up to our standard when the body of Christ is pretty much failing miserably at our own standard. Come on. I got a giggle out of that. That's good. Okay. So, so one of the realities is that God has to get much bigger in us so that we can actually be him, be like him to the world around us. Paul goes into Ephesus. And Paul, of course, we know that he was formerly Saul. Saul had this encounter with God on the road to Damascus. He's a Pharisee of Pharisees. He was commissioned by the Sanhedrin to go after the, the Christians, to go after the followers of the risen Lord and persecute them. And if they spoke that Jesus was God, kill them. Because that was, that was blasphemy, which was deserving of death. So he was commissioned to kill Christians and got pretty good at it. 
And on the road to Damascus, he has this encounter with God where we, many of you know this story where is, you know, um, Jesus says, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he's like, who are you? <laughs> like, what do you mean? I'm doing it all right. I, got, I, I'm, I, am, I am doing your holy work. What do you mean? Who are you? Well, I'm Jesus of Nazareth. Oh. Many of you know the story that he was blinded and um, went and met with Ananias, who was a disciple, um, and uh, ends up um, having his scales removed from his eyes. He gets baptized and then trained, uh, mentored uh, in how to, how to follow Jesus. And he began very quickly, because of his knowledge of the word, Began, the Holy Spirit began to illuminate Jesus throughout the Old Testament. So he would go from synagogue to synagogue and say, okay, let's have a Jesus throwdown on who the Messiah is, right? Let's, let's have this conversation. So then he really starts getting a burden. Um, he gets a call to go minister to the Gentiles right at salvation, but he's got to figure this out. So one of the biggest cities in all of the world at the time was a city called Ephesus, Paul is on a missionary journey, and he goes to Ephesus. And when he gets into Ephesus, he shows up. And one thing that you need to know about Ephesus, there's two key traits about Ephesus that are really important. When you read the book of Ephesians, you need to know who the audience is, right? Okay, all right. Come on, Bible scholars. You, you need to understand the context of, of what's the culture, what, who are the people group that Timothy's pastoring when Paul writes a letter to Timothy, which was to the, because he was pastoring at Ephesus, right, apostling at Ephesus. And then we also see that, that Paul goes into Ephesus, and let me, let me just tell you a couple of the key traits. The first one is it was ruled by the god Diana, the goddess Diana. So it was a female goddess and deity that stood tall over the church at Ephesus, all over the city of Ephesus. This was the God in charge. Diana has a giant, there's a giant um, uh, uh, temple to Diana. The ruins of it are still there to this day, okay? This was real. This isn't some make-believe story. This is all really happened. I feel like some of you need to be reminded this is real. Now, Paul goes to Ephesus, and we see in Acts chapter 19, it says, And it happened while Apollos was at Corinth that Paul, having passed through the upper regions, came to Ephesus, and finding some disciples, he said to them, Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? So they said to him, We have not so much as heard whether there is a Holy Spirit. And he said to them, Into what were you, when, then were you baptized? So they said, Into John's baptism, the baptism of repentance. And Paul said, John indeed baptized with the baptism of repentance, saying to the people that they should believe on him who would come after him, that is on Christ Jesus. When they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul had laid hands on them, the Holy Spirit came upon them, and they spoke with tongues and prophesied. Now the men were about 12 in all, and he went into the synagogue and spoke boldly for three months, reasoning and persuading concerning the things of the kingdom of God. Paul took the normal route at this point that he had taken in every other city, which is he went to his people, right? 
He went to his people. He went to the, the place where he was most comfortable, most familiar with the synagogue. He knew the customs. He knew the rituals. It was very easy for him to step in there, and it was just kind of a comfort zone for him, right? That's why whenever city he went into, that's where he would always start with the synagogue, even though God called him to the Gentiles, right? God didn't say, Paul, your ministry's to the Jews. He said, no, your ministry's to the Gentiles, but he went where he was comfortable to start. And, and which is fine. I'm not saying that's a bad thing. I think God, God kind of warms us up. He puts us in the, in the cold water and lets it boil over time until you're like, woo, you know, okay, here we go. I'm going after the thing God has for me. So at this point, some were hardened and did not believe, but spoke evil of the way before the multitude. He departed from them and withdrew the disciples, reasoning daily in the school of Tyrannus. Remember, I said there's two things that you need to remember about Ephesus. Number one is that it was ruled by the goddess Diana, okay, which um, it, the, the female deity thing is a real deal, okay? Like, we know that that's, that's a Wiccan belief system. Uh, we know that there's multiple, including Hindu, different belief systems that have the female deity as being the overall, overall arching goddess of all the things, right? And so they definitely had to come in and combat that, right? And he had to, he had to preach a, a, a gospel that was, was not male or female, but Jesus, right? The man who's God. Now, the second thing to remember about Ephesus is it was the magic capital of the world. This was the gathering place for all magicians, everybody who worked in the occult, everybody who worked in astrology, who worked in all of these different realms to try and read fortunes and try to to do uh, different types of miracles. We would say it was very um, um, supernaturally new age, if we can give it a kind of a modern context, right? Because the new age believes in magic. Let's just be clear, <laughs> right? Like, so, so there's, there, it, this was a very mystical place. Let's just call it that. And Paul goes in and he reasons at the synagogue, hearts were hardened, and then he goes to the school of Tyrannus. The school of Tyrannus is just a building, okay? The school of Tyrannus is a lecture hall outside of the synagogue. It was just literally like three doors down in Ephesus. So the school of Tyrannus was a meeting hall. So he took his disciples and they got out of the synagogue and they went into a different form of lecture hall that wasn't centralized around the Jewish belief system. And, and listen to this. This continued for two years so that all who dwelt in Asia heard the word of the Lord Jesus, both Jews and Greeks. Let me, let me just read one more verse. Now, God worked unusual miracles by the hands of Paul so that even handkerchiefs or aprons were brought from his body to the sick and diseases left them and the evil spirits went out of them. The reason why Paul did unusual miracles in Ephesus is because he had to have a greater... He had to operate in the supernatural in a greater measure 
in a place where the supernatural was normal. And I think this applies to us. We do not, we, do, we have a very modern, science-oriented, fact-based, truth-evidence-oriented world. Would you agree with me? Even when there's 16 different truths, it's still truth-based. Do you hear what I'm saying? Like the mindset is around, I got to find truth and I got to find the science. And even if there's a 100% disagreement on which one is real, we're still in this mindset that we have to prove it. It is a season for the body of Christ to shed the idea of proving it in the same way the world wants to prove it. We have to begin to prove it supernaturally. I had a meeting with some people this week who um, were talking about division in the uh, conservative movement, and they were actually talking about how do we divide it up further to people who are really, really true conservative versus mildly versus nominal versus whatever. And they, they've got a big passion and vision, and they're going after some things. And I said, did you know that the word evil means division? The more that we try to divide, the more we play into the devil's hands. Well, I'm of Apollos, or I'm of Paul, or I'm of John MacArthur, or I'm of Jack Hayford. I'm with Bill Johnson and Cheon, or Ravi Zacharias, or Alistair Bag, or whoever your 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 favorite go-to TV radio preacher is. We have to stop. The reality is that God wants the body of Christ to be unified in a world that is being run by division. Do you know that's not natural? It is easy to spot differences and point to the differences, isn't it? It's easy to see dirt. It's everywhere. We can find it anywhere. But God has actually called us to see past it and find out what he's doing. Paul actually went into a place and just taught, started with 12 and just taught for two years. And it says that all of Asia heard the word of the Lord. God wants us to be supernatural lights. Supernatural lights. I think one of the ways that that's going to happen is how God provides for his people in this next season. Can I, can I just, I, I'll, I'll just tell you, not that I'm, I'm not saying that there's going to be, you know, I'm not a, I am not a doomsdayer. The people who know me know that I'm not. I'm aware of what's going on but I refuse to partner with fear. Okay, I refuse. You know, people are like, oh, it's going to be good. We're going to have food shortages. We're gonna... I'm like, okay, maybe. And I'm not going to buy into the fear. 
I'm going to listen to the wisdom of God and do those things, but I'm not going to get all frantic and panicked and I got to make all these crazy decisions that are going to ruin all my retirement, ruin all this stuff. You know, I'm not, I'm, I actually plan ahead and be aware of what's coming, but don't do it in fear. So with that, we see that the body of Christ has to enter into a place where we are no longer being divided by whether or not we're in full agreement on everything. Because we're not. Maybe we were never meant to be in full agreement on everything. Some of you in here disagree with some of the things I say. I'm great with it. And I'm not saying I'm right, you're wrong. Well, maybe sometimes, but... Depends on what it is, maybe. The reality is that we have to enter into a space where we are no longer bringing evil into the church, where we're no longer operating on the devil's playbook according to division, where we're trying our best to create separation from each other. Is Jesus Lord? Does he deserve our praise? Did he die and raise from the dead? Okay, I think we're good. I think we're good. Oh, you don't believe in speaking in tongues and the laying on of hands and signs, wonders, and miracles? Do you believe Jesus is Lord? You're my brother. We're good. We're good. Because I carry that with the pastors throughout the region, they know that I just love them, and I'm not going to make any beef with any of their teaching. I just won't. Because I honor who they are, and I honor what God's doing in them. So when they're dealing with a demon-possessed person, and they're not, they know God tells them this guy's got a demon, who do they call? Oh, the guy who's used to dealing with demons. And they know it. I've had multiple pastors call me and say, I got something going on here, I don't know. Can you come over? Yeah. We take care of business. Right? I think it's important that we learn to honor within the body of Christ because it is time for us to operate in signs, miracles, and wonders through honor. Turn to Mark chapter 8. There's two things that have began to overtake the body of Christ that need to get absolutely gutted from the body. The first thing is the leaven of the Pharisees, and the second is the leaven of Herod. In Mark chapter 8, they're both rooted in the same thing. So Jesus actually says to his disciples, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of Herod. And we'll talk about that context real quick so that we have a really full understanding of what Jesus is talking about. Um, just a side note. The leaven of Herod is the political spirit, and the leaven of the Pharisees is a religious spirit. They go hand in hand, and they operate together. Do you want to know why there's division in the body of Christ now more than ever? Because the leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of Herod has taken over the body of Christ. And, and we, we can't allow for it anymore. God has called us to be salt and light. He's actually said the, the kingdom of God is like leaven. It is like leaven. It is for us to be so tasty, so sweet, so good, so full of light that it causes the entire dough of the world to rise. 
That's what we're called to do. And if we allow the leaven of Herod and the leaven of the Pharisees to begin to overtake the body of Christ, we lose our saltiness and we lose our light. Mark chapter 8, we see Jesus feeds 4,000 people. After a sermon, they were stranded, and, and earlier he had fed uh, 5,000, and they gathered up 12 baskets with the 5,000, and now he feeds 4,000, and they gather, gather up seven baskets extra, okay? So then they finish their ministry. They get challenged by the Pharisees. Listen to this. In, uh, in verse 11, after he feeds 4,000 people, they go in the boat, and they come to the region of Dalmanutha. The Pharisees came out and began to dispute with him, seeking from him a sign. Say, seek a sign. From heaven, testing him. But he sighed deeply in his spirit. Can we just all do that? <sighs> Sigh deeply in your spirit because that's not good. He says, why does this generation seek a sign? Assuredly, I say to you, no sign shall be given to this generation. And then he left them and getting into the boat again, departed to the other side. Now, the disciples had forgotten, say forgotten, to take bread and they did not have more than one loaf with them in the boat. So, I'll just keep reading. This is good. All right. Then he charged them, saying, take heed, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of Herod. They're like, oh, no, we only got one loaf of bread. Well, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of Herod. And they reasoned among themselves, saying, it is because we have no bread. But Jesus, being aware of it, said to them, Why do you reason because you have no bread? Do you not yet perceive nor understand? Is your heart still hardened? Having eyes, do you not see? And having ears, do you not hear? And do you not remember when I broke the five loaves for the 5,000? How many baskets full of fragments did you take up? They said to him, Twelve. And when I broke the seven for the 4,000, how many large baskets full of fragments did you take up? And they said, seven. He said to them, how is it that you don't understand? <laughs> Why did Jesus say, beware of the leaven of, of Pharisees and the leaven of Herod? Because the political and religious spirit makes sure that you're the one who does it. It's about self-reliance and independence. It's about a place where you, you no longer rely on God as your source, but we rely on the pit of political power to make change in the world. Give me a break. Sorry, I'm a little fired up. Let me just tell you, it is not politics that saves the world. It's not religion that saves the world. It is one person. His name is Jesus. It is one person. His name is Jesus. And let me tell you this. The leaven of Herod and the leaven of Pharisees, after the Pharisees were seeking a sign, and Jesus was like, you ain't getting a sign. I'm not doing it. I'm out. 
and he walks away. I'm getting back in the boat. I'm going somewhere else because I ain't giving you a sign. They're like, oh, no, we only have one loaf of bread. Jesus is like, um, hello? Uh, we just did something kind of big. Twice. You don't get that I'm your provider yet. You don't get that whatever, even if you forgot and you made a mistake. I'm still the guy. Even if you get it wrong, I'm still your provider. Even if you didn't prep for two years of desolation in North Idaho. He's still your provider. What do you not understand? He breaks bread and fish and feeds thousands. He will take care of your family. I believe that God is going to release supernatural provision on the body of Christ. Because we will reject the leaven of Herod and the leaven of the Pharisees. When we begin to reject the political control spirit and we begin to reject the religious controlling spirit out of the body of Christ, when we remove that from our midst, we will now actually be leavened for the kingdom of heaven. Don't get me wrong. Politics is important. I follow it religiously. <laughs> that was a play on words. You guys got it? Yeah, okay. Didn't get it? Okay. <laughs> I thought it was good. No, we just bought these, man. I'm not dropping the mic. <laughs> so, so I believe that this is one of the keys that they walked in in Ephesus. Because it was Paul's labor. It was his, the sweat from his aprons from labor and working that was sent to people to be healed. It's a really interesting word if we go back to Acts 19, when it says that God worked unusual miracles by the hand of Paul so that even handkerchiefs or aprons were brought from his body. The handkerchief that he used to wipe the sweat off while he was making a tent the apron that he used to protect his body when he was sawing and cutting. The simple things of what you do every day will be anointed for supernatural fruit and supernatural produce. It is time for the body of Christ to step away from control and that spirit of control of the government and the spirit of, because listen, the government has turned from the, the place of being uh, the guardian of your freedom to now trying to remove your freedom. And we understand that this is all a political thing. Let me just say, the reality of his kingdom is greater than the Constitution of the United States. The reality of his kingdom is greater 
then who's governor this next year? The reality of his kingdom is greater than your favorite hot mic moment. The reality of his kingdom is greater than who's in the house and who's in the Senate. I'm not saying that stuff's not important. It is important because we live uniquely in a, in a constitutional republic where you get to choose, supposedly you get to choose who goes where. But let me, let me say, I'm not worried about what happens in politics. I have a deeper root and a deeper center, and it is in the King of Kings, and it is in the Lord of Lords. I am not going to partake in the leaven of Herod to try and change the world. I'm not going to partake in the leaven of the Pharisees where it says, well, you should do this and you should do that and you should, if you're a real Christian, you should do this. That's the leaven of the Pharisees. So we reject them both wholesale. And we say yes to becoming the leaven of the kingdom of God in the world around us. He's not trying, he's not going to bless your good performance as much as he's going to bless your mistake. So we, we think he's going to treat us differently if we, you know, jump through all of our hoops. You will have different fruit in your life based on your choices. Can we just be clear? There's consequences to mistakes. There's consequences to bad choices. The Bible is riddled. The New Testament makes it very clear. He goes through a long list of the fruit of the flesh in Galatians 5. And he ends, and he ends with this really striking statement that they're not partakers in the kingdom. Okay, what are we talking about? Adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorceries, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambition, dissension, heresy, envy, murder, drunkenness, revelry, and the like. That's the fruit of the flesh. But the fruit of the Spirit... Is love, joy, peace, kindness, patience, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. And against such things there is no law. The fruit of the Spirit frees you from religion. But the fruit of the flesh binds you to it. God's calling his body higher to live supernaturally, free from the religious spirit, free from the political spirit, and free from the works of the flesh. The beauty of the spirit is that it's because he gives you grace, and it's because he empowers you that you do it, not because you just did it so well. That's why I said, listen, he's going to shine his favor on you as a son of God. He will give you mercy even when you get it wrong. Yeah, I just blew somebody's head up. I felt it. He's not, he's interested in your heart and the obedience that comes out of relationship, not you trying to get it all right. 
You keep trying to get it all right because some pastor one time told you that you should do this in order to get that in the kingdom. That's a lie. He gives us everything that we need for life and for godliness. He's already given it to you. Some of us have a mental block when it comes to this stuff. Because we are so believing that you can do it. Maybe you're just broken. Maybe you're just as broken as me. And you need the mercies of God just like I need the mercies of God. Maybe you need grace just like I need grace. Maybe you need to be empowered by the Holy Spirit just as much as I need to be empowered by the Holy Spirit. Just to get simple things right. I didn't know how to love my wife well until the Spirit began to teach me how to love my wife well. And he's still teaching me. The way that we are with one another, when, as we remove division, we remove evil, we remove, because what are the two things that are creating division in the body? The leaven of Herod and the leaven of the Pharisees. Politics and religious beliefs. I pray that this community of faith right here, this body, chooses to not draw lines in the sand with our brothers and sisters. And I'm not saying that there's different doctrines. I'm very firm in what I believe the scriptures say. Very firm in what I believe the scriptures say. And I've got good friends who are very firm that don't agree with me. And that will not impact our unity. I felt like the Lord wanted to free us up from some things today. I don't understand why he does what he does or even how he does what he does. I don't know. He's, it's way bigger than me. The Lord is calling the body of Christ to humble themselves, come into unity, and love one another well. When we allow politics to divide the body of Christ, we're missing something. And can I say that, like, you know, it's easy to agree, it's easy to be unified with the people you agree with. It's hard to be unified with people you don't agree with. I have good friends in Florida, <laughs> which is... Um, the African-American culture is very different from, say, the Caucasian culture in the South. Um, you don't see it as much up here in the Northwest. I mean, I grew up in a school that had a very large African-American population, and I just was, I just, there was never an issue for me growing up. We didn't even talk about racism when I was in high school. It, was, it, was, it wasn't even a conversation because we all just treated each other like equals, and we were good. <laughs> like it was not a it was not a thing for me where I grew up. Which is, you know, like an hour and a half away in Spokane. 
So the church is so divided in the South because of politics and religious practice and culture. And I have friends down there who are African-American, and I've got friends down there who are Caucasian, and, and we're all talking the same thing about kingdom and, and desiring, and yet there's this huge disconnect. Why? The leaven of Herod and the leaven of the Pharisees. I see it happen here. We were in a meeting when Mika first started coming. We were at a Bible study, and, and one of the guys asked, is it possible for a Democrat to be a believer? Yes, absolutely it is. Absolutely. Yes. I know that's grating on some of you, but yes. We can have healthy life-giving conversations with our brothers and sisters we disagree with if we reject the leaven of Herod and the leaven of the Pharisees. You know why you're not heard? It's because you're carrying the wrong leaven. You'll be heard when you carry the leaven of the kingdom. Am I making sense? Okay, will you stand with me? I felt like this sermon was actually preaching to the whole region more than just here. Um, and I, I'm good with that. Like, I know that a lot of you are, like, right with me. There's no major, you're not seeing things differently than I am uh, for the most part. But one of the things, one of the things that, that you have to know as a church and as a leader in this body of Christ, I want to guard our unity. I want to guard it. I want to guard it. So, so you want to bring your political complaints? That's fine. Most of them I'll probably agree with. But I do not. I, I'm going to be very cautious, and I'm asking all of you to be very cautious with how you speak with dishonor towards your brothers and sisters in Christ. We've, um, we're in the editing process because we do have, if you work um, and you work at a large business or you work somewhere that's mandating um, maybe a vaccine or is mandating certain behaviors that you feel are goes against your moral religious beliefs, you just need to know your church will support you in your moral religious beliefs. We will. Okay? We're going to support you in your choices. Okay? And if you choose to get a vaccine, that, that's not up to me. If you're curious about that, um, I'll probably be pinning it in our newsletter, not this week, but the week after, so you can kind of see the statement that, that we're making as a church, just to say, we're going to support the people in the body to make the choice, and here's the moral grounds through which we believe you can make that choice. It is not for contention. It is not to fight. It is not for disunity. We love you. We have your back. We're going to fight for you. And whatever it is that you need, the battles that you're facing as a community, we're going to fight with you. But we're not going to fight each other. 
God wants to do unusual miracles through you. He wants you to be free to be the leaven of the kingdom. Will you just raise your hands to receive? Because this is a moment of divine exchange. This is a moment where we give God the areas where we've had division in our hearts, in the areas where there has been a place where the leaven of Herod and the leaven of the Pharisees has come into our, into our lives. God, we need to give it to him. We need to repent. What is repentance? Saying, God, will you change my mind? Will you give me your perspective? So, God, we put in our hands the, the leaven that is not of you, those areas, God, where we've created division in the body, and we put that in our hands, and we say, God, will you please come and please transform my heart and transform my mind? God, I give it to you because I no longer want to walk in the leaven of Herod and the leaven of the Pharisees. I no longer want to make my life about politics, but I want my life to be about the kingdom. I no longer want my life to be lived about whether or not people are following their religious duties. But God, I want it to be lived according to the goodness of God in the land of the living. I want it to be according to your kingdom. And so God, will you take this and give me the kingdom? Can I exchange this these things that have been off in me and receive from you the foundation of heaven, which is your spirit. You, you spoke over the waters and the spirit created. And God, I'm asking in Jesus' name that the power of the Holy Spirit would spark a transformation, a catalyst in our minds to begin to see the leaven of the kingdom of heaven be spread throughout this community without the leaven of Herod and the leaven of the Pharisees. God, that it would become pure in your eyes. And not that we have to do more. We just need this exchange today, God. We're asking that you exchange those areas where we've been off with your righteousness. And we choose you. We say yes to you. Everyone, I believe, everyone in this room at some point said, God, I, I want you and I need you. So God, I pray that you would burn a yes in their hearts. Father, I thank you and I praise you that you are the God of the entire universe. There is nothing hidden from your sight. We trust you. We trust you. We trust you for provision. We trust you that you are going to guard our mind. You're going to guard our heart. And that we can be bold and all fear of man can be broken because we exchanged more fear of you. God, we want this region to hear the word of the Lord. So, Father, I'm praying that as we, as we gather, as we get equipped, as we are trained, as we spur one another on to good works, as we prophesy over one another your goodness, as we declare that your kingdom is coming, <laughs> as we declare that, God, what you're doing in us is greater than anything the world could do around us, as we declare that we will be a light, as we come in agreement with your word, may the world around us see supernatural provision and love.
Lord, we love you and we praise you today. We thank you for this exchange. We thank you that you can have it all. You can have it all. And that you give us good gifts. You're not going to give us stone for bread. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. Harvest Valley Worship Center is called to be a refuge for healing and a launch pad for transformation. If this message impacted you today, please let us know in a comment, or you can email us at media at hvwc.com. Thank you for joining us, and we look forward to connecting with you.